0: Very soon, when Moshiach comes, we will greet him with joy, with singing and dancing, and together we will sing.
1: Welcome to Sunday Shmooze with Rabbi Mendy Kievman from the Chabad House Jewish Community Center on Cedar Street in Milford. Sit back, relax, and enjoy a stimulating discussion of news and humor from a Jewish perspective. here's Rabbi Mendy. Good Vach shavuot Tov. Wow. It almost seems like a year ago, the last time we were together on the Schmooze radio program. And that's because it was like a year ago. The last time we were together was right before Passover. And a lot has happened since our last... Soiree. Peter, is that a real word? It's probably French. I should ask Ruchi. So, how was your Passover? I hope it was as meaningful and joyful, maybe even more joyful, than our Passover here at the Kievman compound. You know, over the course of Passover... We had a whole eight days of commemorations and observances. Many people came to gather for inspiring services in Shul. On the first two days, on the last two days, for the first time in Milford history, this year, we had a service every single one of the eight days of Passover. We had a service which was really beautiful in our little community, little in size, but obviously huge in, in uh, power and, and energy. We were able to pull off a minion every single day of Pesach. Obviously, with this, you know, social distancing and the masks, many, many people are getting. Uh, vaccinated which is a really wonderful thing people are able to be more normal again people are getting together again and that i say is the biggest the biggest tragedy that came from this pandemic obviously there's the suffering and pain physical suffering and pain and deaths that happened but to those of us who are here the biggest Calamity were so many people who were locked away and not in contact with other people. Human contact is so important. And being separated and locked in your home and not communicating normally with people is hurtful, it's painful, and I've seen firsthand the repercussions of this. This is obviously for the elderly, but not just for the elderly. Many young people who also locked themselves up, separated themselves from friends, from the community. Some people already, you know, are starting to get out. They had their pods, the people they were hanging out with. But still, there's something lacking. And I hope we'll be able to come out of that eventually unscathed. So we had beautiful services. We also had Pesach Kiddushes. Okay, obviously the food was sparse, but the camaraderie was amazing and maybe even stronger than ever. Yeah, we had Pesach cakes, you know, the cakes that are made with um, potato starch and other uh, funny ingredients. We had matzah, but it, yeah, the food wasn't all it. I remember one of the people who sponsored a kiddush and I told him, "It's wonderful you're sponsoring a kiddish, but you do realize that you know it's a Pesach kiddish. It's it's not the the regular delicious kiddish that Rahi comes up with. It's a Pesach kiddish." He said, "Well, that's not the point. I'm sponsoring the kiddish because the whole point of the kiddish is to bring people together. And if that if we can accomplish that every day of Pesach, then it was all worth it. So services were amazing." The singing, the dancing, Hallel, we're all beautiful. And how much more so when we're able to sit around, socially distant, but sit around and celebrate um, our, our, our not only the holiday, but our tradition and our heritage and our camaraderie. Then came the last day of Pesach. It was exactly one week ago. It was a Sunday, obviously, I think it was April 4th. And we had the special Mashiach meal, which reminds us that the holiday of Passover, and by extension, all of Judaism's main objective is not just the past. Obviously, the past is important, but it's not just the past. The main objective of our Judaism is the future a future without pain and suffering, a future where godliness is revealed. In other words, as we've talked many times on this show, a future of Mashiach. So during this Sa'udas Mashiach, this Mashiach meal, each of the children shared words of wisdom. You know, the custom of Mashiach Sa'udah, the Feast of Mashiach, began with the Baal Shem Tov, the founder of the Chabad, of the Hasidic movement, and then it was further elaborated upon and, and expanded by the Rebbe Rashab and, of course, by our Rebbe, and that we conclude Pesach the same way we began it, but with, a, with a, a small but huge twist. We began with a Seder that had matzah and four cups of wine, which commemorated the exodus from Egypt. We talked about it. We lived it. And then... We gathered on the last day of Pesach for this meal of Mashiach, also complete with shmur matzah and four cups of wine. And this year we also had uh, brisket and other delicious foods. So I was saying, over the course of Mashiach's meal, we sang, we danced, we febranged, and each of the children, starting from the youngest, Mendel from Mansfield, all the way up to our new son-in-law, Shmuli Everyone took turns inspiring the community with their words of wisdom. And some of the discussion that came up was about our vision for life. Do we have a vision for our life? Do we only see things that are right in front of you? Or can you see a bigger picture? On the other side... Do you only see a big picture, but you don't know how to look at the, um, what was that, in the little, you know, picture when you blow it up, you have pixels. Do you not know how to see the small pixels? One of the greatest challenges in life is not to be distracted by the moment and by the details and to see the broader uh, picture, the broader broader panoramic picture and to see things in context, and then to ensure that the vision also informs the details. But vision is something we often take for granted, especially when it comes to the vision of our lives, how we envision our mission in this world, our reason for being, the purpose of our existence. Comes along Passover, and it conveys to us the 2020 vision of God himself, the creator of the world. Passover is this eight-day festival with, as I said, the two opening days and the two closing days. Each of those days have a heightened observance and have more um, commemoration. As I said, the first days of Passover focus. that it, Its vision is primarily on the first redemption, our liberation from Egypt 33 hundred years ago. On the last days of Passover, they highlight the final redemption, the future era of divine goodness and perfection heralded by Mashiach. During Passover, we become part of this history. We physically eat it. We live it We internalize it. We see ourselves as part of the long chain of our eternal people. You're talking about visions. There are two... Here's the English word of the day brought to you by me. Two octogenarians. I'm sure you know what that means. Their names were Marsha and Judy. They bump into each other at a deli in Miami Beach. Judy takes one look at Marsha and says... I see. You've bought yourself a new pair of glasses. To which Marsha replies, that's very observant, Judy. How did you notice? In fact, I just picked them up. I went to my optician up the road on uh, near the beach and I picked up my new glasses. They're my third pair of glasses that I now carry around with me. So Judy says, oy vey, your third pair? Why do you need so many pairs of glasses to carry around with you? To which he says, believe me, Marsha, I need this third pair. See, it's like this. One pair I use for me to see long distances because I'm nearsighted. Another pair I use to see things that are close to me because I'm farsighted. So finally, Marsha but what's the third pair for? What can you possibly need a third pair for? Ah, Judy says, the third pair of glasses, that's going to help me find the other two pairs. Now, this is certainly true of our physical vision, what we see with our eyes. But perhaps it's even more true, or maybe they say in, in Yeshivish, truer, more truer, when it comes to the vision of our lives how we envision our mission in this world, our reason for being, the purpose of our existence. A vision for life requires both nearsighted and farsighted glasses. Oftentimes, we need that third pair of glasses to remind us that the other two pairs exist. And we need that third pair to help us discover Those other two pairs, those other two visions. For us, that third pair of glasses is the last day of Passover. And maybe I'll talk a little more about it in a moment. And it's also what yesterday was all about. On the last day of Passover, we recommit to our mission to bring the world to its perfected state to the 2020 vision that God had in store for us since He created the world, since He created us humans, and He gave us the mission to make this physical world a dwelling place for the infinite God. And that's why we call out, We Want Mashiach Now! Because everything that God intended for this world comes to a head with the coming of Mashiach.
2: There is a place in the Globus, they are of the body are the ones. But if the be the we want Messiah Hasham. So, Efejon Marko Maraviagado. We want Messiah Hasham. Katan We want Messiah Hasham. Oh, 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 what the Masiya has I If a good idea, if it's a tam idea, then it's a good idea. If it's good idea, na it's a Uy wa tmasiah khasha Zoek so bkol ma to para via granda Uy wa tmasiah khasha Kem kamata yato katamia granda Uy wa tmasiah khasha Oh 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 Arabi milabavi chama Oh 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 we want to see oh, 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 So it's better, first time I've ever seen a God who has been 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 God
1: Indeed, we want Mashiach now. And in Hebrew the Hebrew word for the day brought to you by the Armeans, Anu Rotzim Mashiach Achshav. We want Mashiach now. The Seudas Mashiach, the Feast of Mashiach, I told the joke about the uh, peasant, the couple of peasant Jews who lived in the Shtetl, and they were visited by the Rebbe of Sosov. While he was there, he got up in the middle of the night to pray for the coming of Mashiach and he spent this, it's a a prayer known as Tikkun Chatzos, a midnight uh, prayer in which he asks God to bring about the redemption and the rebuilding of the third temple. And that led to him feeling a a sense of sadness and pain over the Terrible tragedy that the Jews are going through in our exile, and he began to cry. His host heard the crying and came running to his room to see what was wrong, and he sees him sitting over a book. It seemed like he was feverishly praying and crying. So he says to him, Rebbe, what's the matter? Why are you crying? He says, Well, I'm crying because we're in exile, and Mashiach has to come, and 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 Mashiach comes, everything's going to be good. Wow, the peasant hears this. he runs to his wife and he says to his wife, "You hear this? Myshekh is gonna come that soon and we're gonna everything's gonna be good. We're gonna have our our, our uh, you know everything we want and everything we need. So she says, you know, please go tell the rabbi that we're ready now, we, we, we have now a nice inn, we were, we're, we're renting out rooms, we're making a, somewhat of a living, we have a nice garden outside, where we're, we're, we're uh, raising and growing uh, vegetables. Ah, we don't really need Mashiach. So he goes back to the rabbi and he says to the rabbi, I spoke to my wife and she says that things are good. We have our, our horse, we have a our cow and we have a, a goat and we have vegetables growing. So the rabbi says, but don't you remember the Kozaks? The Kozaks, they come every so often and they attack your land and they steal your vegetables and they harass you and sometimes they'll burn down your, your inn. Ah, good point. Got to go talk to the wife again. And the peasant goes back to talk to his wife. He tells his wife, so the rabbi told me that when Mashiach comes, you know, we have all the Kazakhs and how they attack us and they bother us. Mashiach comes, we're going to go to Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, the Kazakhs won't be bothering us. The wife thinks for a moment and says, please go back to the rabbi and tell the rabbi, it's all fine and dandy. Let Mashiach come. But as I said, we have everything we need right here. How about Mashiach come and let him him take the Kazakhs to Jerusalem? In 1943, a young man was riding on the subway in Brooklyn, And he overheard the following conversation between two other Jews that were on the train. And this is the the train, that now it's the number three train. I don't know what it was then. But it's the train that runs alongside Eastern Parkway and it stops outside 770, the Rebbe's house, the Chabad headquarters. It's called the Kingston Avenue Station. You get out right there, you're right outside 770. And one of the two elderly gentleman says to the other, do you know who lives here? This is the, the Lubavitchers live here. The Chabadniks. So the other guy says, who are the Lubavitchers? To which the first one replies, these are the folks who really believe in the coming of Mashiach. This event, this little story, took place shortly after the previous Rebbe began a campaign to herald and bring about the coming of Mashiach and it followed under the slogan loosely translated from the original Hebrew imminent repentance brings about the imminent redemption less than a decade later when the Rebbe assumed the leadership of Chabad the Rebbe made the push for redemption the focus of his mandate over the years of the Rebbe's leadership, every campaign and every initiative that the Rebbe began was anchored to the goal of hastening the coming of Mashiach. On the date of Friday night, this past Friday night, the 27th of Nissan, leading into the 28th of Nissan, 30 years ago, the Rebbe gave a talk in which he expressed his bewilderment at the fact that all of the efforts that have been done so far and yet has not borne out the fruit of redemption. And he asked all of us, the Yiddish sentence for the day brought to you by Kate's Financial Services, Tut alts vas irkent. Tut means do. Alts means everything. Vas kent that you can and the Rebbe told us to do everything that we can. He asked us to shoulder some more of the responsibility along with him and to do all that we could to complete the process and bring Mashiach. And from that day on, the sense of urgency has increased even more. There's a quote which is cited as, a, uh, as an introduction to the book Hayom Yom, which says that every person must ask, what have I done today to hasten the redemption through the coming of Mashiach? It's something that we have to live with every single day. But what is that? What is the redemption? What is Mashiach? Some people are uncomfortable talking about things like Mashiach because there's an association with other religions and therefore it may feel un-Jewish. And it's because of that that we take the time on our... Shmuz show, every so often to talk about Mashiach and explain the ideas and ideals of Mashiach. In order for us to have the sense of urgency to orient our lives in this way and to be receptive to these ideas, and we have to constantly become more and more informed, spend time studying about it, because the Rebbe said, the way we're going to bring about the coming of Mashiach is through adding an acts of goodness and kindness. Because if Mashiach is a world without suffering, then it has to begin by us preparing the world and making it a place of less suffering by adding an acts of goodness and kindness and by studying all about the coming of Mashiach. In fact, right now, there is a 24 hour Fabring Marathon Inspiration class going on, which began 9.30 p.m. last last night, our time. It's worldwide on a website called tutaltz.com, which means the Yiddish word do all you can. Tut tutaltz. And on that website you have people live, Fabringing, talking, expressing ideas of how we can actualize the coming of Mashiach. Because while we're living a life which is relatively comfortable, things like the pandemic come to remind us that we're not living in the ideal. We still need something much more. There's still something greater out there for us. And that is the coming of Mashiach, a time when there will be no more hunger and no more war and all of us will live a life of serenity and peace. So if, if for nothing else, obviously from that day 30 years ago, it turned the, the heat up a little bit. But if for nothing else, we need to make sure that on a day like today, and on this, on this weekend, we rededicate ourselves, not just for this day, but that we are going to have a new world outlook that every day of our lives should be permeated with changing the world for the better. Mashiach, now.
3: I did die. I did die. Did My life, my life, hey, that i my life.
1: Post Passover message from my very funny colleague, Rabbi Perlmutter from Long Beach, California. Uh, it, it's, a, it's an oldie but a goodie. Enjoy.
4: Well, the holiday of Pesach is finally over. And I know for many of you, if you're like me, it comes with a big sigh of relief. Not because I don't love the holiday, I do. I love it, especially my family comes to visit, we're all together. But it's hard, it's hard. I mean, you may have noticed that the menu gets shrunk a little bit. The type of foods that you can eat become like minimal. And you know, in the whole tumult of running, especially if you're uh, like the rabbit at but Ashur, where you have two homes to take care of, the one down at the hotel and then the one at your own house, and you don't know which one is where and what's this. So it's, I have to be honest with you, I'm a little bit happy that the holiday has ended now again as always over the many days of passover the word freedom was bandied around a lot at the seder post-seder pre-seder during services and middle of services everybody was talking about gods freeing the jewish people moses coming down and telling Pharaoh, pharaoh let my people go free free freedom 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 that was the key word of the holiday can't get away with it so i wonder if you have actually been able to take that word over the holiday and make it part of who you really are? Or was it just a concept that happened to our forefathers and foremothers 3,300 years ago? Because you know that the purpose of having all of these rituals, the Seder, the services, the food, the symbolism, is not only to retell the story, it's in order for us to live free us, yes, here in the United States, in a free country, you may say, what do you mean? We are free. But are we truly free? Are you truly free? So I've put together a little litmus test today that I would like to share with you. And I want you to be honest when you answer these questions. And these will give us a pretty good vibe whether You actually were able to take the concept of freedom and live free? Or are you maybe a little stuck in this idea of slavery, not in Egypt, not in the United States, but between your ears? Let's go ahead and have this little litmus test. Were you at any time during the Seder inspired to do something more Jewish, like maybe giving up pork, ham, bacon, shellfish, or anything else, but were worried what your family would say about it or what your neighbors would say about it. You wanted to do it, but you were worried what the other people's reaction would be. Huh? Was that you? If that's you, you're still a slave. Have you at any time ever wanted to put up a mezuzah on your front door? But we're worried what the neighbors would say, what the person across the street would say, especially if they were Jewish, and they all of a sudden thought that you became super holy. Have you ever worried about that? Then you're a slave. Have you ever thought about joining a synagogue, a congregation, shul by the shore, but were worried eh, that you're not good enough or people are gonna say, what, you belong to a synagogue? What, are you crazy? Because most of your friends don't and you were worried what other people would say about you? You're a slave. Have you ever, ever thought about learning how to read Hebrew, taking a course at the JCC, going online, Googling some Torah thoughts, wanting to study Torah, wanting to explore and expand your Jewish knowledge, but we're worried, hmm, I'm not good enough, or I don't know anything. How can I study Hebrew? I'm too old, I'm too short, I'm too rich, I'm too poor. And made excuses in your own mind why you're not doing that, you're not free. Have you at any time in your company stood around the water cooler while other co workers were bashing Israel and calling Israel an aggressor and defaming our holy land and you wanted to defend Israel? You really love Israel and you know that Israel is right and you wanted to really, really give it back to them. But what happened? you weren't strong enough and you thought to yourself well they're gonna think i'm really jewish or i'm too jewish and you didn't say a word you just kept quiet you're not free you're a slave you see ladies and gentlemen slavery and freedom come in a variety of sorts We had the ancient Israelites that were oppressed by the Egyptians, whipped, hurt, beaten, forced to do hard labor. That's one type of slavery. We had slavery here in the United States, people confined, worked hard, beaten, oppressed, Another type of slavery. And then we have our self-imposed slavery. Things that we want to do, experience, expand, go on, reach for the clouds, soar with the eagles, want to do something for our Yiddish cut because we know that's right, both for ourselves and for our family and for our children, and yet we don't do it because... We're worried what other people will say. Oh, look at this guy became the new rabbi in town. Oh, look at this guy. He's all of a sudden super religious. Who made you God? Who made you Moses? And what do you do? You cringe back. You fall back. And you don't do it. You're afraid to take that first step over the doorpost and doing something that you really, really want to do. Then you've enslaved yourself. You're confined to those muscles within your mind that don't let you expand. You're not free. So ladies and gentlemen, as we have passed over Passover already, and we're already in the midst of almost welcoming the the anniversary of giving of the Torah, today is the day to really put our foot down and proclaim our freedom that I will never again make a resolution about my Judaism that I will backtrack because other people are going to look askance upon me. I will not stand in my office and allow people to attack Israel unfairly and unjustly. And I will not pipe up because I'm afraid they may think I'm too Jewish. No, when you allow other people to dictate your destiny and your future, you're a slave. But if you take matters in your own hands, if you say to yourself, I'm the boss of me, I will do what I think is right. I will stand up, I will explore, I will study, I will join, I will participate. I will do what it needs to do to be the best Jew that I can be. Then it's L'Shona Hazo Then it's this year in Jerusalem because you, my friend, have found freedom. When I talk about this, I'm really talking to myself. But you're coming along as my audience. So let's proclaim freedom throughout the entire land. And we could say, thank God Almighty, thank God Almighty, we're free at last. And the meaning of the holiday of Passover has truly been accepted by all of us. Thank you, and until next time, God bless you, and set yourselves free. It's that time of... Our
1: show, where we find the yarmulke, put it on your head so we can say the bracha and say the shema. Take your right hand and cover your eyes, and if you don't have a yarmulke yet, put your left hand on your head and say it together with me Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kivod Malchuso Leolam Vaed. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be His name, the glory of His kingdom, forever and ever. If you have a drink, please take it in your hand and say it together with me: Baruch Ata Adonai Eloheinu Melech Haolam Shehakol Nihyah If you have a coin or a bill. Take it and place it into your pushka so you can make your day more charitable and now it's the beginning of the week, your whole week uh, more charitable. Not only that, it's the beginning of a month. Yesterday was Shabbos Mevorchim, the Shabbos when we bless the new month of ER. And the, the new month, actual Rosh Chodesh, is tonight. We have two days of Rosh Chodesh, Monday and Tuesday, which begins tonight. And this month is known as the month of healing. So I'll begin by giving a blessing to all those who need healing, starting from Shalom Dovber, Ben Sarah, and Tobit Zippor Abbas, Chaya Gittol, and Esther Bat Miriam, and all those who need healing, physical healing, mental healing, and, and even spiritual healing, should be given that healing, and not wait till tonight when the month begins of healing... The month of healing begins, but actually, to begin the healing today, so we join the month of healing tonight, they will already be healed. Amen. L'chaim. So here's why it's the month of healing. As I said, the name of the month is ER And the Hebrew word ER is spelled with four letters. The letter Aleph, Yud, Yud, and Resh. So Aleph, two Yuds, and a Resh. And it's an acronym for the verse... In the Torah that says, Ani, Hasha Aleph for Ani, the Yud Yud is for God's name, and the Resh is for Rof Echa. I am God, your healing, your healer. I am God, your healer. And healing is what we all need. While COVID 19 dominates the news cycle every single day for over a year now, in truth, there are more than 10,000 other diseases that affect countless lives. You might argue that every human being in the world will encounter a health problem at some point or another. So, in the uh, spirit of the month of healing, I present five ideas which are culled from the teachings of the Rebbe about health and healing and I hope that these will be beneficial not just to think about and contemplate but also to bring healing in your life as you need it so number one let's first figure out who's who in the healing chain because when you hear somebody's sick and they tell you they went to the doctor the first thing you want to know so what did the doctor say right that's the obvious question what did the doctor say See, the truth is, doctors play a very important role in helping patients achieve good health. But we have to remember two important caveats to that. Number one, doctors are empowered by God to heal. That's right. Their power to heal comes from God, the ultimate healer. And caveat number two is, doctors are not God. I know some think they are, but as Dr. Ellie always tells me, we're not. The logical conclusion is that while we need to take the doctor's instructions seriously, we need to follow the regimen for healing. When it comes to a not so pro- uh, a positive prognosis, it's okay to doubt it. In fact, it's okay to completely not believe it. See, the doctors spent years studying medicine. And with the blessing of God, they lead the patient with the correct and suitable treatment. But one thing a doctor can't do, they cannot predict the future. Only God, the one above, will decide what will be the outcome of the treatment that the doctor prescribes. And even when the prognosis seems completely bleak, we need to remember that it is God who can and oftentimes pre- performs miracles. Number two, it's important to have the right mindset—a mindset of healing. The Rebbe wrote a letter to a very prominent hospital administrator in Israel in the 1970s, and the Rebbe asked them that they should change the name of the institution from what it was called then, Bet Cholim. If you know a little Hebrew, chole is a sick person. So bet cholim is a house for the sick. And the Rebbe suggested that they change the word to bet refua, the house of health. So you can ask would the name change really affect the treatment of patients? Yes, 100% it will. It will give patients a whole different outlook and a whole different attitude. This place, this hospital is no longer a place of illness and disease, but rather it's a place of health and healing. Now it's fascinating, I said that Eber wrote this letter in the 1970s, and it's finally getting you know more traction, it's becoming more popular. There was an article in the Stanford Medicine website, which says, and I quote, a growing body of research has shown that people's mindsets can measurably affect physical healing. Social context, including patients' relationship with their do- with their doctors, as well as patients' expectations about healing, can drive these placebo responses. Despite this research, the benefits of these psychological and social forces still receive much less attention than drug and device treatment. This is not coming from some um, whacked out anti-vaxxer. It's coming from the Stanford website. The Rebbe's words ring true then as it rings true today. The attitude we have and the attitude that the doctors have plays an integral part, an integral role in the healing of the patient. Number three, it's important that we calibrate the physical and the spiritual. A fundamental idea in Judaism is that our physical life is a reflection of our spiritual life. So therefore, a spiritual deficiency could lead to, heaven forbid, to a physical deficiency. As such, oftentimes when somebody would ask for a blessing for health, the Rebbe would often suggest that they should add in their observance of a mitzvah. And that will increase... Not only their spiritual well-being, but also their physical well-being. One of the most often, at least that I know of, often recommended mitzvahs was to ensure that the person has kosher tefillin and mezuzahs. So if you don't have them, to get them. And if you have them, to make sure they're kosher. Not only kosher, but they should be placed in the correct place on the doorpost. Some people have a mezuzah that's empty. You know, It's a cover without a mezuzah inside. And you can get... Kosher mezuzahs from us. Some people have kosher mezuzahs, but the problem is they put them in the wrong spot, way too high up on the door, on the wrong side of the doorpost. So that's very important for the health and well-being of each person in the family. Other times, it ever recommended other mitzvahs, such as increasing Torah study, observing family purity, the laws of mikvah, etc. By adding more mitzvahs, we calibrate our body and our soul and we put them in sync. And this renewed energy of the soul will have a direct effect on the physical body. Number four is always about the places we go. In, in the book of Psalms, we're told, God decides where the steps of man are going to be led, where the person will be led. Oftentimes when we're searching for healing, people find themselves in unexpected places. You thought you were going to be home and you end up in a hospital. You, end up, you thought you were going to be in a hospital a few miles away, you end up in a hospital thousands of miles away from home. So one time, the Rebbe was addressing a hospitalized patient and the Rebbe commented and he said, Perhaps the reason you're in the hospital is to inspire those that you come in contact with and connect them with God. Hopefully, once you've fulfilled your mission, you'll be able to be released from the hospital to go home. So if the journey of healing takes you to unexpected places like the doctor's office or a hospital or a new place of living, you have to live somewhere else, make sure that you're on the lookout for ways to inspire and uplift others, which will certainly bring more positive energy and healing to yourself. And finally, leading into that, a great segue into, is to number five, the power of the mind. This was the Yiddish word of the way, of the day already a number of times on our show. The famous saying, Tracht gut sein gut. Think good, it will be good. Faith in God has a very, very strong impact. It can transform a seemingly hopeless situation into a hopeful one. All we need to do is have real faith. Tracht gut, sein gut. And I bless every single one of us with healing and health not only today and not only through this month but for all days to come with the coming of Mashiach now. And now enjoy Eighth Days, Tracht gut, sein gut.
2: Music, music,
1: music
0: dancing music she danced me away music 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 dancing
3: music she danced me away
0: met a little boy with big brown eyes he said chocolate with the vets. I ain't good I met a little girl who had no hair. she said chocolate with the vets. I ain't good chocolate Track with the red sign good, track with the red sign good to me Track with the red sign good, track with the red sign good, track with the red sign good to me So, if you wanna come along and dance with me, say, Track with the red sign good And if you wanna come along and sing with me, say, Track with the red sign good i good to me. My dad, you're for you with your booty my dad's was all way. Oh, my dad, you're for with you, your booty my dad's was all the way. me oh La
1: Ladies and gentlemen, it was a blast being back on the Sunday smooth with Rave Mendy. I hope you enjoyed today's show. Give us your feedback. And remember, your next deed will change the world. So make it a good one. Mashiach now. lechayim. You've been listening to Sunday Shmooze with Rabbi Mendy Kievman from the Chabad House Jewish Community Center on Cedar Street in Milford. For more information on the Chabad House, including upcoming events, adult programs, Hebrew school, and more, visit
2: gotchabad.com. That's G-O-T-C-H-A-B-A-D.com. Shalom.
0: Ze ah, is nog oud, hebben we een volk lief nog oud, hebben we een Ja, ja, ja Hoe zit dat dan? Is het het huis? Hebelaf van die mij niet meer wat doen.